0: And we are live for the Conversations That Matter podcast, late night on Friday edition here. Uh, I thought it might end up being a mega edition, but now, Eastern time, it's 1022, so <laughs> I don't know. We'll see how late I can stay up here. Um, I hope everyone had a good Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving was yesterday. Today's Black Friday, and I asked people online what the good Black Friday deals were, and I most of what i got back maybe this says something about this audience but it was all about christian books and publishing companies and i thought my audience probably reads a lot so it it sounds like just about every christian book publisher distributor is having a sale right now so hopefully some of you are taking advantage of that i wanted to highlight a few things uh as well here a friend of mine a friend of the podcast actually um has uh, given me very valuable information in the past, uh, wanted to let me know about a book actually his mother uh, wrote. I don't know why I have the European edition up here. Well, you can find it. It's called Demi Wigan, and I actually I have a copy of it right here. Uh, it's a kid's book, and uh, someone who's a friend of the show, and it's uh, on sale. I don't know why I have the, I don't know, what is this? I have the Irish, I think, Kindle pulled up. I don't. I didn't even notice that. But anyways, it's dirt cheap right now. So it's a kid's book. Um, Someone that doesn't have a publishing company. But I said, yeah, you know, I'll let I'll let people know that uh, your book is out there as well. And of course, for this time of year, nothing is perfect. The holidays cannot be perfect without a Gold River tea set. I mean, it just goes without saying. You have to go to Gold River, CO. Dot com to get yourself some gold river green tea earl black tea the 1776 american breakfast blend whatever suits your fancy they have uh, a number of uh, different bundles here and uh, it's what i drink and in fact this is uh, i won't don't tell my relatives that i'm getting this for them but for some of my relatives i'm getting some of this for them because it is that good i do believe in the product and uh, you can get gift cards too if you're not sure hey what, what do my friends actually like? What is, what is my, what does my grandfather drink when he drinks tea? What's he going to enjoy? Well, get him a gift card. If you don't know, uh, to gold river. And if you put in the promo code conversations, then you'll say 15%. I believe it's 15% on the product. And, uh, so that that's been useful right now. I'm actually getting over a cold it and it's cold. Of course, in upstate New York right now I was actually just out earlier today hunting. I didn't see anything today. Um, kind of a a new spot. And actually, I don't know if other hunters relate to this, but I was kind of happy about it. You ever get happy that you didn't find a deer or or shoot a deer because then you would have to actually do something with it. And I felt that way today. I thought, man, I don't really want to shoot a deer, (laughs) but I'm going to sit here anyway and enjoy outside, even though it's cold. And that's what I did. And I, and it was great. I love just sitting outdoors and this time of year, I at least have an excuse to do it. Maybe I should think about having an excuse other times of the year to just sit still outside. I mean, fishing, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm not as still. And hunting, you got to be still and you're in the woods. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's just uh, marvelous. So, anyhow, uh, we have a number of things to talk about today. I have so much to share with you. I just have so much. I can't get to all of it today. We're going to have to save the 1607 project for another time. The trailer's up, though, and I'm going to show it on this podcast. If if you don't want to wait for that, you can go online and check out. Just type in on YouTube, I guess, 1607 podcast, or not podcast, uh, trailer uh, video, and it should come up. But uh, the 1607 project is going to be happening. We are going to need your help. I'm going to actually be asking you guys for your help to to dig deep this year, if you can, on a number of different, I think, important projects. And uh, today's no exception. Uh, I'm going to have a call to action at the end of this podcast for... A friend who's in need, uh, someone who's been on this podcast before who, I'll just be blunt, he lost his job on Thanksgiving Eve. I can't think of a worse time of year to lose your job but going into the holidays when you have a family, when your wife is pregnant, and, and he could use our help. And so, um, the, the actually, I forgot to put the link in the info section, but I will, I will show it. Uh, in fact, I'll show it right now if I can here. Uh, here it is. It's for uh Thomas Accord and uh to support the Accord family. In fact, they are I'll refresh this to see what the current number is on this. They are wow, they have almost reached their goal. Uh I guess the goal is now fifteen thousand. So they're they're almost at ten thousand dollars. And I'm just so impressed with this. And and you can look, I mean, you you have obviously a big donor here, but a lot of these donations, I mean, they're fifty dollars or a hundred dollars or twenty-five dollars. I mean, there's just tons of people pouring in support for Thomas, and if that's not a character reference, I don't know what is. When it, this is like, you know, that moment in "It's a Wonderful Life" to reference a Christian, uh, a Christmas movie, and I guess it's not—it's a Christian nationalist movie. I guess not a Christian movie, but at the end of the movie, when George Bailey is in trouble, and I mean, he's ready to—he's he, ready to just end it all. I mean, he, it's that bad, and. Then all his friends and the people he's helped over the years come in and they just give money. I mean, it, it, that's a beautiful moment in the movie. And of course, from the perspective of, uh, you know, the outsider, some someone who didn't see what George Bailey was actually doing, he looks like a criminal. Like you know, Potter's accusations sound true, right? George Bailey's a bad guy. Uh, he uh, he he took out these loans. He couldn't pay them back. Whatever it was, he. He uh, operated a business and and embezzled the money. That's what it looked like. And in reality, that's not what happened at all. And guess what? Even despite these accusations, the people around George Bailey knew that George Bailey was not the man that had the kind of character to embezzle money. And that's what motivated them to give. Otherwise, he wouldn't have gotten anything. And I I see a similar situation happening with this Thomas Accord situation uh, with his family. I mean, he's being accused of some terrible things on the Internet. But the people who actually know him, they're digging deep into their pockets to help him out. And so I just uh, would recommend, and I very shamelessly say that I gave a little bit to this as well. Because I believe in um, in helping a family who's in need uh, during the holidays. Uh, so... We're going to work to what I'm talking about here. Some of you know, most of you don't, but we will, uh, we'll get into the weeds on this a little bit because I think it illustrates something. Even if you don't know who Thomas Accord is, even if you don't know some of the characters involved in trying to smear him are, which a lot of them are more obscure. You're not going to know who they are. This is an illustration of how the cancel culture mob works, even in evangelicalism, even in Christianity, Christian circles. And it's frankly disgusting to me. I, just, I can't get the bad taste out of my mouth. Before we get to that, though, uh, a bunch of other things I just want to highlight for you, things I've been sitting on that I just know I need to share and I haven't yet, but the Louisiana Baptist Convention met, and uh, this was October 10th, so we're talking last month now, but uh, they put together a resolution on abortion, and I'm not going to read the whole thing for you, but in this resolution, they essentially praised the Supreme Court and the state of Louisiana for effectively outlawing abortion, uh, curbing curbing it, um, you know, making a lot of progress for the pro-life cause, and uh, encouraging Christians to get involved in adoption and these kinds of things now that Roe v. Wade is overturned. So this happened, though, at the event. And I want to show this to you. And, and why is this important, John? Well, let me give you one reason. Where do you think the Southern Baptist Convention is going to be held next year? That's right, Louisiana. And the conservative line has been well we didn't win in california but we can surely win in louisiana because louisiana is conservative now i i'm not here to say whether that's true or not but i want to give you a little piece of evidence to determine whether or not you think this is the case i'll, I'll let you make up your own mind and this is adding to evidence i've already presented uh, namely that the i think it was the Louisiana anabaptist convention uh, that also failed to condemn ed lytton when that was brought up as a potential uh, resolution so or or a uh, motion at least i don't remember if it was a resolution or a motion exactly but that was uh, during the time of that sermon gate scandal thing and louisiana baptist convention said we don't we're not going to do that we're not going to touch that well here they are again this is recently and here is an amendment that was offered for the resolution that i just showed you and i'll play it for you
1: uh, but my amendment to resolution 1 is not to remove anything in the resolution i don't object to any of the language it's very good the problem with resolution one, is insufficient, a person could read this resolution and come away with the idea that abortion has been ended in Louisiana, or the idea that um, it's illegal for women to have abortions in Louisiana, it is not and I can demonstrate that later if we would like to have debate. But here is my amendment, I would like to add a resolution clause after the second resolution clause, and the amendment, which would add this clause resolved that we urge the Louisiana legislature and the governor to fully ban abortion by enacting a law of equal protection for preborn children, so that preborn life will be protected from the moment of fertilization by the same laws which protect born persons. That's my do you have a copy of that mem- could you just a moment, Brian. Commission, just stand at ease for a moment.
0: Okay, so this is a lot of just fluff, a lot of uh, waiting around. Uh, I don't know if we have time. Let's see. Let's play a little bit of this. We'll play, this is a pastor who opposes. So, so after that amendment was brought up, there was some opposition. Uh, there was, uh, It was ruled out of order, but then the... Person who brought the amendment said, "Where I'm going to uh, motion that we uh, we overrule the the uh, being overruled essentially, and appeal to the body, and so uh, that takes its course, and then we get to this pastor who's going to oppose it, and I just want you to listen to what he says, a little bit of it." Or- uh, getting abortions, and I think that that's where this
1: is is headed. And I want to make just a couple of comments about this and why we should not uh, go any further with this. Um, I, I, you know, it's hard to argue with the reasoning with my brother, and and uh, and I have nothing but respect for him. Uh, the mothers um, involved in this are, are clearly choosing to to murder their children. Um, do not argue against that reasoning; it is accurate. Uh, I appreciate my brother's passion, his strong his strong stand for the for the truth. I do want to say this: um, when the Apostle Paul was still Saul he consented in acts of murder first Stephen. And then he went on a personal crusade. If you remember attacking other Christians, the scripture says that led to their destruction, destroyed many other families and Christians. Paul, many years later, reflecting on his actions, he said this to Timothy in first Timothy one 13, He said, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Paul believed lies about Jesus and about Christians. He was misled. He was misguided. It caused him to make decisions that he would regret for the rest of his life. Paul caused Christians to be murdered, led to their deaths. But in his heart at the time, he was not a murderer. The Christians, the church, they knew that he was a murderer. But in his mind, he was a patriot defending God. These are actions that he had to live with for the rest of his life. But he says that he did them in ignorance and unbelief. And I would argue that these women who get abortions, they make decisions that they regret for the rest of their lives. They've believed lies. They've been misled. They've been misinformed. They've been told lies. Christians, now as Christians, we all agree. We know that they are killing their babies. They are ending life, but in their hearts, they believe that they are only ending a pregnancy. Someday, Lord willing, when they come to their senses, they're going to have to live with their actions forever, just as Saul did. But I would say, if Paul found mercy in God's eyes because he did evil in ignorance and unbelief, how can we not proclaim mercy to those who end a pregnancy in ignorance and unbelief? I do not disagree with the reasoning of those who are putting forth this action and are wanting to make this addition but i disagree with the line of judgment i do not believe that this is a message that we want to send to an unbelieving world that we want to imprison those who are in many cases impoverished and underprivileged we
0: need to show mercy to those who are i'm going to stop right here. here here's the problem with all this so it, it, long story short this the body, the Louisiana Baptist Convention decides to. They're not going to accept this amendment. That's the bottom line here. The reasoning given here, though, is that well, look, Paul said that he was doing all these things in ignorance, and so Lord showed him mercy. We need to. The, the parallel is we need to show mercy to these women who have abortions. They're doing it in ignorance too. Here's the thing: Paul knew he was murdering, or Paul at least knew he was. He thought he was doing what he was doing for the Lord. There's no doubt about that. But he knew he was killing someone, or at least helping in that effort it was obvious and they were people right and and so um it's not like paul when he's doing this is not sure that that's a person that they're going after Uh, the ignorance and the unbelief go together here he didn't know the lord jesus christ he was doing this with killing christians because they were christians and while in the course of doing that he didn't realize that what they believed was true and what he believed was actually false. It was ignorance and unbelief. And now he believes. Now he actually agrees with those Christians. So obviously, now he would never do that, right? And so this isn't a this passage is not held up as an example of how to form your civil laws. This that would be a misuse of this passage. It's taking it out of its context and giving appropriating it for something that it was never intended for. And I would like to suggest that's what this pastor just did. No one, as far as I know, no one that I know, and myself included, makes a distinction or or fails to make a distinction, I should say, between sins of of ignorance, things people do uh, that they're not aware are as bad as they really are, and then premeditated sins that people know are evil and uh, very aware of. So, I mean, I I think you can make that distinction. You can realize that some things are done in ignorance. It doesn't mean that it's not a sin. It just means that it's it's not as serious because the motivations weren't as evil as they would have been if you were doing it knowingly, right? That's all it is. So that, and that distinction would not speak to this issue because if you have a a woman, let's say, um, or a doctor uh, or anyone who's facilitating this procedure that kills a baby. If you any step in that process, if you have someone involved and let's say they, they are under the impression this isn't a baby, right? Well, they're wrong, it is a baby. And so the question is, what should our laws say? What should our laws reflect? The problem that has contributed to this ignorance is the fact that our laws have made this such an open question. Is it a baby, is it not a baby? Is it a human, is it not a human? Well, if our laws reflected that it's a human, Wouldn't that clear things up quite a bit? And I think it would. And if you treated babies in the womb the same way we treat people outside of the womb, if the legal uh, system when it comes to murder would treat some uh, murder of a, a human being in both stages the same way, then we wouldn't have as much confusion on this issue. What this pastor is advocating for, though, is, I think, a greater confusion on it, because we want to stop abortion, we want it illegal, we want to punish it, but we, not, we want to stop when it comes to the woman, because it's ignorance, and if it's ignorance, we shouldn't bring legal pressure somehow, uh, we shouldn't have a legal penalty for that, if, if it's the, the woman doing it in ignorance. And I just would challenge someone who makes that case, where do you find this in Scripture? And I'm not talking about passages in the New Testament that are appropriated incorrectly, which is what he just used. So I, I don't think this logic flies at all. This isn't a template for how to build civil laws, but uh, this is the logic that was presented. It's the only logic that I saw presented in this as this whole video, and the whole body there, the Louisiana Baptist Convention, decided to reject this. And so my question is, can the SBC win in Louisiana even? That's a scary thought for some of you because you think, man, surely Louisiana is conservative. I don't know how conservative they are. I don't know. So I uh, figured I'd share that with you. Another uh, SBC item here, David Sills filed suit against the SBC and 11 other defendants claiming his relationship with Lyell was consensual and he became a scapegoat in the SBC sexual abuse crisis. Now I'm not gonna read this whole article. You can go read it if you want. It's at baptistnews.com. But for those who listen to this podcast, you probably remember me talking about this because uh, this is a big deal. It, and most notably, this came up in the uh, guidepost uh, recommendations. Uh, They uh, had a whole report. And in that report, one of the main cases they drew upon to justify their claim that essentially abuse is systemic in the SBC is this guy, David Sills, who was a professor at Southern Seminary and what he did to Jennifer Lyell. And it's a Me Too moment, right? And I'm obviously summarizing. Those aren't exact quotes from the report. But David Sills loomed large. Now, they never called David Sills, according to Megan Basham. They never reached out to him. They, they just went with basically the narrative that Mueller had concocted about this whole situation. And now that's falling apart, thanks to Megan Basham's reporting and just crazy things in a Lyle situation that don't make sense. Like, why would you rendezvous uh, with the person that's supposedly abusing you at a long distance and meet in the middle somewhere for abuse? Like, that doesn't make sense. There's things like that that don't add up and and now people are asking questions about it and now david sills is taking legal action uh, on this situation so i think this doesn't look good for al moeller uh the me too movement in the SBC, and certainly the guidepost solutions uh report and it depends i don't know where this is going to go but it just you know david sills was just assumed to be this really guilty party in this and now he's saying look this was consensual this was not abuse this was, the way you portrayed me is wrong. And so he's uh, he's taking action. So we'll uh, keep an eye on that, see where that's going. Um, let's see, let's get into this now. Uh, I'll see if I can pull it up on on here. I don't know. Let's see here. I should be, yep, I think I can do it. So we're gonna start in on this uh, stuff with Thomas Accord and what's happening on Twitter right now. And I'll explain Uh, to the best of my ability as we go as far as i understand it uh, what's happening and um, i i'm a a little bit at a loss of how to order this so i'm going to start with the attack and then we're going to work our way to some of the arguments that are being presented and then i'm going to give you thomas's side of the story we're going to read it uh, because he wrote a whole thing today on this and uh, then we'll end with I'll, i'll show you where you can go to support his family essentially Or you could buy Stephen Wolf's book, because Stephen Wolf is going to give his proceeds from uh, the book, at least his royalties, to Thomas Accord during this holiday season when his family doesn't have an income. So it starts here. This is a gentleman by the name of Alistair Roberts, Alistair Roberts, and I'm not intimately familiar with Alistair Roberts, but apparently, in certain niche circles and in certain places, he's fairly popular. I, I was not aware of this until very recently. Um he the the i think uh, uh theopolis if i'm not mistaken is one of the um, outlets that he's at uh the davenport institute i think is another one there there's it's like little think tanks that are semi-christian conservative-ish so anyway it's immaterial except for the fact that if what you're about to hear disturbs you i would say you contact those organizations uh and um and let them know that it, especially if you're someone listening and you're affiliated with those organizations, I would, I would check into it. I would wonder why Alistair is doing this. So here is where this whole situation starts. Alistair Roberts. Uh, he posts some screenshots from an account that is claimed to be an Anon account or a uh, pseudonym for Thomas Accord. Now, Thomas Accord has been on this podcast. He co-hosts the Ars Politica podcast with Stephen Wolf. He uh, co-wrote a book called Who Is My Neighbor with Daryl Dow. Um, trying to think what else. Uh, I mean, it, really, there's. I don't, I don't think there's a whole lot more to it. He, he works at a school. He was a headmaster at a Christian school up until recently uh, because this uh, situation has caused him to lose his job, essentially. And what Alistair Roberts says is that uh, he, he is... Um, citing a Neil Shenvey thread that he thinks is really important, where Neil Shenvey's talking about we, we can't import these problematic ideas under the guise of Christian nationalism. And he says, I agree. There is a sort of Christian nationalism that is sort of identity politics that self-consciously develops itself with critical race theory as its foil and mirror. This is Stephen Wolf's podcast co-host, Thomas Accord, on the subject. And he posts these screenshots. Accord, who principally tweets, um, and he gives a, uh, a Twitter handle, uh, has developed the idea of white fr- anti-fragility and white identity consciousness raised through exploitation of the mirror of critical race theory in an article on the Identity Dixie website. And I wasn't aware. I don't even know what that website is, but uh, he, he's saying he wrote this problematic blog. It, it is quite possible that Wolf, so Stephen Wolf, who wrote The Case for Christian Nationalism, is number one book on the subject. He's getting a lot of acclaim because of this. He says, it's quite possible that Wolf disagrees sharply with Accord on the identity of the ethnos on whose uh, behalf they are working, but it would be a little surprising. And then someone comments and said, this is demonic, it's it's Darwinian racialism, and anyone who knows Thomas Accord knows he's not a Darwinian racialist at all. But that's this is so horrible, how could Thomas say these things? And I'll, I'll, I'll show you what those are in a minute. And Alistair says, yes, yes, he affirms. He's changed his account several times in the last week or so. He first changed it from to aad to tullius adland which reveals his other account and a couple of articles he has written on white identitarian sites under that pseudonym okay so the evidence so far that this account that you're about to see some tweets from is thomas accord so far is that there are some links this account linked to some thomas accord stuff and this 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 name tullius adland the pseudonym has been used in other places And it looks like it's Thomas Accord. So that's what we have going for us at this point. I'll I'll share with you some more evidence, uh, supposedly, as we go through this. Here are the problematic tweets, okay, that supposedly Thomas Accord put out there. But, again, we don't know this is actually Thomas Accord. This is someone named Tullius Adland. That's the Twitter handle. And here is the tweet. An anti-fragile system is not one that foresees black swan events, but one that gains strength from them, like that Death Star ring in the fifth element. Now, I want to say, first of all, I, we don't even have to read anymore. This isn't Thomas's writing. It's not his writing style. I, I noticed that immediately with this. I thought, that's really curious that Thomas would write this way, because it doesn't sound anything like Thomas. Thomas is very educated. I mean, he's the headmaster at a private classical school. He's an author. He's the podcast that he, he, the political podcast, social podcast that he does. You have to have some familiarity with classical, with the classical education. You have to have some familiarity with Greco-Roman literature and things to even understand what he's talking about. He does not talk like this and he doesn't write like this. And that this was my first clue in my mind when I saw this, that this might not actually be Thomas Accord, but So far, the claim is that he is, and and because Alistair Roberts says so. Alistair Roberts says this is Thomas Accord. So, it goes on. Anyway, a robust race realist, white nationalism can be anti-fragile regarding cultural Marxism, critical race theory, wokeism, BLM, etc., by accepting their premises of standpoint epistemology, systemic racism, white privilege, etc. Now, here's another clue for me. I know Thomas Accord doesn't believe in standpoint epistemology, and Stephen Wolfe certainly doesn't, because they've actually said things against this on their podcast. They've actually... I mean, I I think I've even had conversations. I don't I'm not like a a very close friend with Thomas at all. But um, but I've I've interacted interacted with him uh, through like Facebook chat and things like that before on on various things and uh, or or social media chats. I can't remember if it's Facebook, but this isn't this doesn't reflect his views because I know that his views don't coincide with this because we've talked about things like this. I've asked him questions about things like this. Anyway, yes, different groups see things differently and have different ways of knowing and perceiving. Hence, we should separate our educational processes to allow white and black children to flourish best within educational methods and testing that best suit their epistemic standpoint. So this is an argument for segregation. Yes, racism is interwoven into every facet of society. It has always uh, been and always will be because race is natural, affecting everyone about our lives. I'm going to just skip ahead here. Let's get to the final thing here. Um, White privilege exists because our ancestors were productive, strong, inventive, foresighted, and and concerned for their posterity. This is natural and it's called social capital. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children and children's children. So does a good society. Okay, so when you just look at this thread, what do you think? Let's pretend it's Thomas, as Alistair uh, Roberts says it is. Okay, let's just pretend that for a minute. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But let's just, for the sake of argument, it's Thomas. If this is Thomas, is this a... Uh, an affirmation of white nationalism or, or an ideology like that? Or is this just a, uh, a reducto ad absurdum? Is this someone saying, well, if we're going to accept critical race theory, then I guess we could also accept white nationalism because, man, they really do seem to sound very similar. I mean, that, that's the whole premise of that uh, viral video on YouTube of the racist and the critical race theorists uh, agreeing on just about everything. It, and it's a funny video. You can go look it up. Uh, and and, I mean a lot of people have pointed this out before that hey this critical race theory stuff does sound a little bit like white supremacy it's just it's flipped in some ways but it's like the same a lot of the same assumptions so whoever this is uh, let's pretend it's Thomas uh, just says a robust race realist can the key word there can be anti-fragile regarding cultural Marxism etc so this could be just a hypothetical thread showing that, look, if you're going to accept critical race theory, then this would also make sense. So it it may be an argument against critical race theory. And that's what some people thought initially. Here's Neil Shenvey. Neil Shenvey jumped right on this. Neil Shenvey uh, said, listen, this is not a guilt by association argument. I do not know if Wolf agrees with these tweets, but we can't pretend that some of the ideas that wrap themselves in the banner of Christian nationalism aren't precisely those we reject when they're promoted by critical race theory. And he retweets Alistair Roberts and what I just showed you. I'm trying to be consistent here. I'm attacking ideas, not people. I'm citing explicit statements. I'm not speculating about motives, but we should oppose these ideas no matter where where their origin, and regardless of which tribe they're coming from, for the health of the church. Okay. But he's retweeting Alistair Roberts with, with, there's no filter here. There's no, I mean, there's no challenge to the idea that maybe this is Thomas. It doesn't say Thomas Accord anywhere, but... It's just, and the added assumption, not just that it's Thomas, but that this is an affirmation of white nationalism somehow. So here uh, walks in Nate Fisher. Nate Fisher says to Neil, it appears to me to be a reductio ad absurdum to push an, uh, on someone advocating critical race theory. Have you yourself not made the point that some of critical race theory's claims align with those of white supremacists? What leads you to assume that a Acord actually advocates these views and that they're, they are promoted as Christian nationalism? It's a good question. It doesn't say anything about Christian nationalism. Neil Shenvey. Um, he goes, see the article in Alistair's thread. Uh, and so it's a, it's an article Neil Shenvey wrote about, it's a review of Stephen Wolf's book. Nate says, looks like a thought exercise exploring logical and rhetorical techniques to repel the sort of hostile ideological attacks we are bombarded with. Neil Shenvey says, I want no part of it, either as a logical or rhetorical technique. So there's no evidence that actually comes out here about whether this is Thomas whether this is uh, a- an actual um, attempt to advance white uh, nationalism or supremacy or anything of that kind, it's just it's just assumed, and th- and this is part of the problem. Is this just goes unchallenged? People uncritically retweet this. Uh, you have this guy named Jacob Honeycutt. Who comes out and and some of these people um, I realize you 're not going to know who some of these people are. I think it 's just important for me to give you at least some there 's a lot, but some of the main players in this uh because the end result was a man who was working for a school is not working there anymore as a result of stuff like this coming up, and these are the people that carried water. These are the people that shared uncritically uh, this tweet from Alistair Roberts. So here's one of them, Jacob Hunnicutt. He goes, hey, Stephen Wolf, did you know that your friend Thomas Accord, the co-host of your podcast, is an open segregationist and white nationalist, and to boot, makes weird pedophiliac comments. Now, hold on, hold on. Now I'm supposed to believe that this crass language, this language that doesn't sound anything like Thomas, it's not his style, it doesn't... Uh, you, you know, it, it advocating things he doesn't agree with. He doesn't agree with standpoint theory. Now I'm supposed to believe that that account also, which advocates pedophilia or makes weird comments about it, is Thomas. Here, Here's the new, here's the new piece of evidence. And you're going to see throughout this whole thing, new tweets from this anonymous account keep coming forward. Uh, I hate to point out, but the cuties are ugly. This isn't a sexual comment. They're just not comely children. They have horse faces and donkey teeth. They cast and scripted and produced all this, but but got girls whom we all know will grow to be uh, I don't I can't read what it says there, fives at most, rating girls. That doesn't sound like Thomas. I'm just telling you this, and it's not just because of the content, it's the grammar. This is locker room talk. Thomas is the headmaster at a classical school. He doesn't sound like that. I've never heard him like that. And none of the people that are close to him that I've been able to talk to about this to ask what's going on, uh, seem to to recognize who this guy is either. This doesn't sound like the friend that they've known for, in some cases for decades. So, Jacob Honeycutt, just uncritically, well, Stephen Wolf, did you know your your friend that you know so well? He, he makes weird comments about pedophilia. I don't want to hear any excuses here. I don't want to hear thanks for reading the book. I don't want to hear anything about how people are screeching and wailing on something. What is up with this? Did you know? And if not, how are you going to respond? There is no universe in which any of what Thomas said above is even remotely acceptable. It is a damnable. I mean, he just rages. He just goes. You need to repent. Um, it's just the, but again, the assumption of all of this is Thomas is actually the one saying this. And th- there's no one at this point has reached out to Thomas. There's been no communication from Thomas on any of this either. Uh, and then, you know, Stephen Wolf blocks him and Jacob Honeycutt says, well, this is how he's chosen to respond, immature and unacceptable. Well, I would suggest to you, immature and unacceptable is uncritically passing off tweets that you haven't vetted. They, you know, just that's, you got to be careful with this stuff. Um, I mean, it's not like the Bible is silent on this. It, it's actually very serious. If I could just even read for you some things. Exodus 21.3, you shall not spread a false report. Okay, this is going, this is not just about you originating a false report. You shall not spread one. You shall not join hands with a wicked man to be malicious witness. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a simpler babbler. Proverbs 20:19. Proverbs 11, 9. With his mouth, a godless man would destroy his neighbor. But by knowledge, the righteous are delivered. The Bible is full of this kind of stuff. I mean, and that's really the point of thou shalt not bear false witness against your neighbor. It's not even just about lying. It's, it's deeper than that. It's about uh, harming someone by bearing false witness against them. Lying to hurt, to harm. And so, if you're carrying the water for that, if that's what's going on, oh, you better be very certain that that's not what you're doing. And this is a very, very serious thing. And I, and I hope everyone can uh, see that. So, we go on. Uh, Jacob Honeycutt adds some more evidence, okay? And this just keeps getting worse, I think, for the case that this is Thomas. And these add these to the collection of racist tweets from Thomas Accord. Here they are. Uh, and I'm not going to read all these. Some of them are honestly so offensive. I just, when I saw this, it was, I, w- I made up my mind at that point. I said, this isn't Thomas. And, and I, again, I don't know him intimately, but I know him well enough to just know if he was going to articulate these reprehensible views, he would do so in a very articulate fashion. He would do so in a way that would, just be academic sounding, you would marvel at it, It would he would use big words, it wouldn't sound like Trump on Twitter, which is what this sounds like, things like never accept a black doctor, Thomas wouldn't even say never accept, he, he would, he would that's, it's a sentence that you're going to find out in a minute, I'm going to show you, because I'm going to read for you a blog from Thomas about this whole situation, and you just tell me if this is the way Thomas thinks, uh, white boy simp. And then, and then he, I'm not even gonna read the second part of this, but about black boys and what they do. But it's it's not. It, this is gutter language. This is uh, locker room talk. Um, I think some people are thinking, well, this is just what you know, Thomas really is, and this is th- this is how this is the true Thomas. It's like so he's built up this whole facade about being this great academic and uh, brilliant mind, but in the background, he's really just a trucker who's you know, not to disparage truckers at all, but you know his. He's the kind of language you would expect from a lot of truckers. Um, I'm not buying it. And I'm not going to read you all this, but uh, there's F words in this. I mean, it's it, so, and, and this is supposed to be Thomas. And, and people are positive about it. That's how they're acting. Genuine question someone asked Jacob Honeycutt How do you know this is Thomas? That's a good question. Jacob Honeycutt says, A few things I know for 100%. 100% sure based on mutuals who know him, who have verified in personal interactions with him that until about a week ago, he was operating as, uh, to add a very similar name. Okay, so here's the evidence we have. Thomas Accord had a pseudonym account that had a very similar name to this other pseudonym account. So I'm 100% sure this is weak stuff. This is weak sauce. Um, that doesn't, again, doesn't mean it's not him, but that's not the question. The, the onus is on, the burden of proof is on those who are making this claim. That is, they have to overcome, they have to present the information in a positive way that is convincing. And so far, I'll just submit to the audience, I don't think we've done that yet. Jacob Honeycutt. This is evidently an older account that he hadn't posted on a while. Evidently, evidently. But if you go to it, also you can see Stephen Wolf follows it. And the names, content, etc., are all similar to other stuff from Thomas Court. Now let me ask you, why would Stephen Wolf follow that account, you think? Why would anyone follow an account from... A pseudonym that sounds similar to the one that, uh, well, let me ask you this. it will make it personal for you. Have any of you on this particular live stream who are listening, have you any of you ever been impersonated on Twitter or Facebook or other social media websites? I have. Yeah, I know. I, in fact, I have a Twitter handle impersonating me. Um, I have seen many of my friends, especially on Facebook, have this happen. And I friend requested people and become friends with them for sometimes years and it wasn't them and it's not until i get some weird message about wiring some nigerian prince a million dollars that i realized hey wait this isn't this isn't my uncle <laughs> this isn't my cousin uh, let's be honest just about all of us have had this experience haven't we why would it be a mystery as to why someone with a similar name if you have a close friend who knows oh that's the pseudonym and it's it's just a little off it sounds like it why would that be a mystery as to why someone who's close to Thomas would associate themselves with the account if he was operating under a similar name? There, there, there there's no reason to think that people wouldn't, uh, if Thomas was operating under a similar pseudonym, think that was also Thomas. And it doesn't mean that all that stuff winds up in your uh, your uh, uh, newsfeed. I know for me it has, not I've friended people, and then or followed them. And then I don't even see what they are posting because the algorithms don't work in in, until much later. I'm probably following accounts now that I think are actual people and they're impersonators. That's probably true of me right now. So I don't think this actually proves anything yet. Okay. So you, you you all can put in the comments, whether you're convinced by any of this yet. In fact, we'll take a little break there and I'll see if any of uh, the comments, we have uh, 96 people streaming right now for this unannounced live broadcast. Um, Oh, let's see. Uh, man, we have a lot of people are um, are weighing in, and mostly I think in agreement with what I'm saying here. So, but if there's pushback, please look. I'm open to actual evidence, actual. If you want a actual, uh, real, concrete proof, and you want to put it in the chat, please feel free to do so. Uh, <laughs> I- I doubt you can handle the truth. Who is this? Let's see. I'm probably jumping in on the middle of a discussion in the live chat that I don't understand, which is probably better not. Better not to do that. <laughs> so, um, okay. Anyways, let us keep going uh, here. Uh, yes, yes. Quote Jacob Miller says, "Real concrete proof." Yes, yes. In quotation, "Real con- concrete proof." Yeah. Yeah, like give give me some some more evidence here evidence that that would this stuff isn't evidence so far and and again uh open to it but um let's keep going here so far shame on these guys for engaging in this here's another guy named uh John reasoner uh who uh, I think is associated with Joel McDermott somehow and I, I'm not going to read through this whole thing, but it's it's another. It's just it, it, it. Some of these people are just there's an obsession level thing they have with trying to connect any almost anything on the right, especially Christian nationalism to racism in any way they can. It's just an obsession. I don't know how else to to put it. I, I've read things like this from guys like this so many times. But he starts off with um this whole screed about nationalism and kinism and um. And then he uses to bolster his point about that these things are related, that Wolf is uh, in a podcast alongside a guy named Thomas Accord, who is an anonymous Twitter account. Oddly enough, Thomas is also a co-author of a book that defends kinist ideology, which I, I I don't know what. Again, this is why you know Doug Wilson says racism the term should be retired. I think the the term kinist should probably be retired because there are like forty different definitions of this. Um, I've read parts of that book. I don't. I, how, how, I mean, he uses some quotes here, but I'm like, I, I don't know, I don't know, that's not the, what I think of when I think of kinism, but, um, anyways, he's using this and saying, you know, look how bad this, uh, this, this Tullius Adland guy is, Uh terrible guy, and, um, and so, you know, another person getting in on this, you have Brad Littlejohn uh, getting in on this, Brad Littlejohn uh, not quite as aggressive as others, but uh, we can't blame people for getting worked up about this Tullius Adlin account. Well, yeah, we can. Yeah, we can. We can blame them if they're doing so and they don't actually they're they're making these claims that it's Thomas when they can't actually prove that it's Thomas. I think we can get a little worked up, uh, and that and they haven't even contacted him. They have. It's. It's uh, is this the way Christians do things? That, that's my question. And I, some of you might be thinking, well John, isn't this what you do? No, it's not. In fact, this isn't even what liberal rags do. Liberal rags don't even do this. If there's some hearsay about something, if there's a potential a, a, a pseudonym account or something, they contact that person. A, a journalist will do that. But even like a, a popular liberal talk show, I don't think they would trot this out there. This just this breaks a lot of rules. And when I'm uh, when I'm interacting with things, it's things uh, in the public realm that have uh, that, that are from those people to whom the content is is matched and, and that I'm critiquing, and it's it's content I'm interacting with the ideas of actual people. So that is a lot different, uh, it, and it's not I'm not saying that these people are wrong for opposing someone. I'm saying. They're wrong for opposing someone when they don't have evidence for this, and they're not presenting the evidence. I would even argue that. If they're not presenting the evidence to people, we can't verify that this is Thomas. And those who are close to Thomas, uh, even if you're not close, the evidence actually seems to overturn the idea this is, this is Thomas. See, that's where I, I have a problem here. That's where it's, I think it gets wrong. You're, you're just passing this stuff off, and one guy who's got some credibility— uh, supposedly Alistair Roberts, maybe he's just blown it, but he posts this. And because I think he probably has credibility, it's boom, 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 boom. All these people retweeting it, all these people commenting on it, Brad Littlejohn believing it's Thomas, uh, uncritically sharing this thing around. So if you do have a platform, be very careful because people do listen to you. And I, I will make the case uh, at the end of this, I think that any of these people who have passed this around, I wouldn't trust them again on on something similar to this. When they start accusing someone of racism, when they start pulling things, I, I just wouldn't even go there with them. I just wouldn't I would I would unfollow them. I would That's this is just me. But they've blown their credibility if this is what they think counts as evidence. All right. So Jacob Honeycutt says this though, and this is where the turn starts. And I want you to see this. Remember he was saying all these aggressive things. For the sake of integrity, I must share that Thomas Accord, about whom I made a few posts regarding racist and pedophiliac. Material from an account that most people thought was his denies that the account was his. And actually, I agree there's significant enough reasonable doubt. Uh-oh. This thread uh, by uh, Ruba to Rabbit <laughs> alerted me to this. Evidently, a court has been in contact with him and denies the account was his. And I think Ruba to Rabbit lays out a pretty compelling case for reasonable doubt here. And I'm not going to show you everything Ruba to Rabbit's putting out there, but he is. he's getting into the details even more than this podcast about why he doesn't think this is Thomas. Anyway, Jacob Honeycutt, I have felt sick ever since I saw this thread, and weight, uh, and the weight of what I have done, I, I, I may have participated in, crashed down on me. This is the exact thing that people warn about in terms of Twitter being dangerous. I was immature and unwise, and I'm sorry. Everyone, as the thread lays out, thought it was Accords because he uses the same pseudonym. Even Wolf and Ruba Rabbit did, apparently, and followed the account. And I trusted the judgment of other older well-established men who shared it first i.e alistair roberts and neil shenby and were convinced it was a cord but all of that is not an excuse for being too overzealous unwise uh, trusting others who may have uh, their own interests not asking enough private questions first in accordance with what the scripture teaches and not being discerning enough Um, a significant number of trustworthy individuals have been messaging me saying that i wasn't off base in the first place and that i may be being deceived. Now I put this thread out because there was too much reasonable doubt and my conscience was hurting, but this is messy. And I want to just say good for Jacob Honeycutt. I think what would also go a long way here is giving to Thomas at this point. He's lost his job over this essentially. And it it makes, you know, personally apologizing, repenting and repudiating those who are still doing this and then showing a little good faith. Maybe Jacob's already done this by giving to the family now that um, he's got a pregnant wife and children and no income for the holiday season. Well, here's Neil Shenvey. How does Neil Shenvey react when the news is? And this is before Thomas has made his statement. I'm going to read you Thomas's statement. But here's Neil Shenvey uh, when it's leaked that Thomas has denied that that's his account. Thomas Accord and I have exchanged direct messages. Please see this original response to my question yesterday. I suggest everyone relax and have a happy Thanksgiving and pray for everyone involved. And he posts a screenshot where, uh, I guess, Thomas Accord's real account, or his main account, um, says, Neil uh, correctly perceives that these musings, and he's talking about the screenshots Alistair Roberts originally shared, the CRT one, Neil perceives that these musings on the topic of race are an exploration into the principles of critical theory applied to racial dynamics as a reductio ad absurdum, they are descriptive, not prescriptive. And um, he says if Alistair Roberts sought honest dialogue, he could have inquired directly. So, um, you you might say say, and and I did. I actually I messaged Thomas about this, I, and I said, Thomas, are you, are you taking responsibility for this tweet? Because all, all you're saying here is that Neil's kind of reading it wrong, at least that this is, um, or or reading it right. I don't I'm not sure which, but that he's uh, th- that the point of that whole thread was that. Uh, critical race theory and white supremacy kind of work or white nationalism work along the same spine, if you will. And Thomas basically told me, look, I, I was in the middle of a project when this whole thing started on Twitter, I couldn't get away from it. I, you know, looked at it real quick. And, and he knew that he had made similar arguments before comparing critical race theory to white nationalism, as to basically debunk critical race theory. And he just, on a quick glance, thought that if it was him, that's what he was doing. And it was the name, it was a, a pseudonym that he had used. And so he just trotted that out there. Well, this was before some of these other things that I showed you about pedophilia and stuff had been drugged, uh, had been made their way to the surface. When that happened, he looked at those tweets and he, and then he looked at, took a closer look at that original thread and he said, wait a minute, that's not me. And none of this was me. Uh, that's not my account. This is someone who's basically... It looks like impersonating me. And so um, that's why initially he made that comment to Neil, uh, saying that that was the intention behind it. And Neil is now hanging on that, though, to say that, look, um, basically, what he, read between the lines here. Neil's saying, Thomas agreed this was his. So I was justified in agreeing this was Thomas's account as well. And then Neil goes on. He says, yesterday I questioned a thread. So he, he puts that up there what I just showed you. And he goes, Acord lost his job as headmaster of a Christian school yesterday. We exchanged direct messages this morning. I'll respect his privacy, but he denies owning the Adland account. As far as I know, his school has not released a statement. I do not know what investigations they made. I did not contact them either yesterday or today. I don't know the grounds of their decision or what evidence they had. I suggest we all allow them and Accord to make uh, statements if they choose to. Um, And so people are giving him a hard time a bit, like Neil. You just passed off info. The guy lost his job. And and you're saying that, uh, you, you know, there's another tweet. I don't think I know if I have it here. Um, where he basically says, okay, well, I actually, I already read it. Actually, just everyone relax and have a happy Thanksgiving. And it's like, the guy lost his job. He's not having a happy Thanksgiving. I mean, this is so tone deaf. This is so elitist. That, I don't know. What else do you say about this? This is so out of touch with the suffering family that's just lost their job because of information that even that Neil passed around that wasn't true, according to Thomas. And now Neil, you know, he's he's not doubling down on it, but neither is like, what's he doing? He's basically just justifying himself. That's all this stuff is. He just Neil be justifying himself. I don't see any remorse for the family. Please give to the family. It'd be nice if these guys who created this mess and some or contributed at least passed around the give send go for Thomas Accord. There, there's no sense of ownership of this. It's, it's just, it's amazing to me. It's amazing to me. Um, there, no. I mean, the only thing he says is he lost, he gives a f- matter of fact he lost his job. I respect his privacy. I'm sorry you lost your job. Like none of that. This is so crazy to me, guys. I can't even tell you how crazy this is to me. Like like this isn't how humans in my circles interact with one another, especially Christians. I don't get it. So um, he's putting up a shield to, to defend himself, I, I, I guess. I don't know how else to read this. You have you know Honeycutt admitting that he was wrong. Um, others, though, are doubling down. Alistair Roberts, I will say more about this tomorrow, but for now, the ninth commandment is indeed extremely important. I take it very seriously. We shouldn't make damaging accusations against innocent parties without substantiation. I made a claim and I stand by it. And then um, he says, I have written a fairly lengthy and damning case for the identification of Tullius Adlin with Thomas Accord around 4,000 words. Guys, 4,000 words. 4,000 words. 4,000 words. It sounds like an obsession. With a great number of images and receipts, which taken together will leave little doubt that it is him. This is a guy who's a headmaster at a Christian school. He didn't write Stephen Wolf's book. Stephen Wolf did. Like, what's the energy to take this guy out? Over-the-top energy, desperate energy coming from Alistair Roberts to take this guy out. Why? What are these guys afraid of? That's my the thought that has been coming to my mind. Like, what are they afraid of with this guy? He doesn't have a big platform. He co-hosts some podcasts that probably most of you haven't even heard of. Now you, now you have heard of it. Ours, Politica. Now you're probably all going to go download it. But before this, you didn't know what it was. Alistair Roberts. However, given the seriousness of the accusations that have been made and the institutional repercussions, I am sorry to say that while key parties now have conclusive evidence that, and can act upon it, I won't be sharing anything publicly right now. While I would love to share it now and completely vindicate myself, against a continuing barrage of false and hostile allegations. I guess that's me. Uh, this is a better way to handle things for the good of the church. Yeah, aren't you a great person, Alistair? For the good of the church, uh, you're going to uh, withhold the information that backs up the accusations you made against Thomas. That's great. So publicly made accusations, but no evidence to actually verify that this is truly Thomas. But we just have to believe you that the evidence exists. We don't have any obligation to do that. We, we don't. We really don't. And whatever credibility that you've had, I think, is being burned through right now, if I can be so honest. Now, John, uh, was it Reasoner? Whatever his name is. John, uh, I don't even know. <laughs> anyway, the guy who writes for Joel McDermott, uh, he put, update Thomas Accord has published a statement, and I'm going to read for that uh, to you. In this statement, he denies any responsibility, attacks those who have criticized him, and then portrays himself as an innocent victim. <laughs> I'll let you be the judge when you read it. Um, He offers no evidence and goes so far as saying he is he he doesn't actually really have to. They're the the burden of proof is on these guys. They're acting like this is like the Me Too stuff. It's like we made the accusation now disprove it. Uh, I pity his family. I do not pity him. He is responsible for his family and should. Uh, yeah, this is this guy is insufferable. Um, <laughs> okay, um, let's do this. Uh. Let's I'm going to show you this I'm going to show you some of the evidence back and forth. And then I'm going to read you Thomas's statement. So here's some more evidence. Uh, potential evidence that this is Thomas Agord. Here is a tweet from this Tullius Adland, and and then it's cut off. So I don't even know if this is the same Twitter handle, but I'm assuming it is. Tullius Adland. Spare me this garbage. It says, "Guys don't ever go to something like this." What's he talking about? It's a grief share group at the church that is associated with the Christian school where Thomas teaches. Go outdoors, construct something, work out, build yourself, learn a skill, do not express your weakness. There's absolutely no benefit. So don't go to a grief share group. Now, aside from this being just a very poor um if if I'll put it this way, if it's Thomas, it would you'd have to almost believe if you know Thomas that Thomas must have had Bumped his head very hard that day, and forgotten how to speak in in the way he normally speaks. Um, with with longer sentences that are more coherent, and, and just more sophisticated. Um, it it also would be incongruent with the way Tom Thomas never says things like "Do not express your weakness," at least publicly. I've I've never seen. I mean, Thomas Thomas is a, an art lover. He's actually. He's not a soft man. I wouldn't say that about him at all, but he's a he has a sensitive man to some extent. Sensitive in the sense that uh, he he actually appreciates the finer things, very much so. And those things can be very emotional. Uh, do not express your weakness. That's not Thomas, guys. I'm just saying, that's not Thomas. That's not the Thomas that I've followed on social media for, what, two years or more now? So you'd have to those who know Thomas would have to suspend the Thomas that they know, and they'd have to accept that this must be Thomas based upon the fact that this grief share group meets at the church that's affiliated with Thomas's school based on a screenshot, based on a a picture that was taken that has the image of the school. Now, if, if this is an impersonator, someone who's trying to impersonate Thomas, this is a public building. If it's someone who I'm not suggesting this, I don't know, but if, possibly if it's someone who goes to the school, if someone who is intimate enough with Thomas to know his, uh, his pseudonyms and you know wants to uh, make fun of him or mock him or put up a parody account, uh, they anyone, it's a public building, would have access to go in and take a picture of this. Um, or maybe it was taken off of someone else's social media. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying it doesn't necessarily mean it's not conclusive evidence, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily Thomas. In fact, this very tweet has um, just as much as you can say the picture might link it to Thomas since Thomas works at the school, you could also say the language in the tweet doesn't link it to Thomas. It makes you raise your eyebrow, gives you a a degree of skepticism. That's probably their strongest piece of evidence, I guess. But other than that, I mean, this is what they have. Here's Patrick Miller doing a whole thread on the evidence. Given people's questions about whether this Tullius account is linked to a core, the answer is yes. It's a known alias using the wayback machine i was able to find that the two odd account named itself thomas accord okay but that's a different that's a different account but anyway the Tullius adlin account was previously linked to a gab account associated with record accord so but then again if it's someone impersonating could, you know you could impersonate on multiple social media websites so that's also possible moreover it appears he tended to use these aliases in rotation once uh stopped using Tullius adlin in august of 2021 Activity suddenly uh, picked up again on the two odd account. I believe he deleted the two odd account in part because people were identifying him. So he's saying, I believe. He doesn't doesn't know. I believe he deleted this account in part because people were identifying him. If you want to go looking through, he's got websites. And then he links to John Reasoner's screed on this. Now... Um, John Reasoner has this whole thing about, I'm I'm trying to even boil down what his evidence is, uh, it's been brought to my attention. There's another article published under the same alias on a neo-confederate website with sympathies. Again, though, if, I'm going to show you the questions. Did I put them on here? I thought I did. Yes. I'm going to just skip a few slides and show you this if thomas's paradigm that i'm about to read to you is true if thomas's story is true if this was someone who was impersonating thomas and it was a parody account then the question is not whether thomas used a pseudonym that's not the question that's the wrong question everyone knows thomas used a pseudonym otherwise you wouldn't have a parody account trying to copy it number two the question um isn't it should say is not <laughs> it says is The question is not whether others who thought an account was a Thomas's were associated with it. So if someone's following it, thinking it's Thomas, obviously, if it's someone impersonating Thomas or a parody of Thomas, some people would be taken in by that and think it might actually be Thomas. There's no mystery in that. So a lot of the evidence that we're getting is stuff like that. Like, look, the pseudonym was used here. The pseudonym was used here. Right, right. If someone's using that pseudonym then and, and they're not Thomas, and they're impersonating Thomas, and they're going to use that pseudonym. Okay, so no, I, I wouldn't consider any of this stuff to be actual evidence at this point, but at, at the most, you could say, you could ask Thomas. This would be the time when you ask Thomas, honestly. You'd say like, hey, there's this stuff posted. I don't know if you're aware. It's uh, kind of crazy stuff. doesn't sound like you under another account. What, what do you think? Is this you? And and then find out, get an explanation, but no one did that. So they just want to accuse. Uh, so... <laughs> um. Here's here's some of the counter evidence, and there's a lot more of this actually, but I just wanted to give you an, a, a, just one sample. But this guy, uh, rabbit to rabbit on Twitter, has been sharing a lot of stuff. He says it is possible that this alt communicated to Accord perhaps under another name or person. Again, who knows really? And then he says we only have written attestation that this alt a, a person communicated with Accord. We don't know how this alt person communicated with him, and under what name he could have communicated under a different name other than the Tullius Adard. We just don't know, and so. Um, he, he gives a detailed account from Thomas' side. Accord does use the tool, uh, uh, that, that name frequently on his main account and frequently charges, changes to variations of it there, but the account where the offending tweets are has the same name, but it is not his. I won't be surprised, he says, if they actually communicated. The alt account, which was another person, is also responsible for publishing the articles on faith and heritage. So there's some articles on a faith and heritage website that were uh, supposedly offensive, and he says, look, in this, in this article... Whoever wrote this, this Tullius Adlin guy says that he he mentions that he spoke to Thomas Accord, which suggests that he's a different person and has contact. And I sure enough, you read this article, and in the article, whoever this Tullius Adlin guy talks about having a conversation with Thomas Accord. So I'm just telling you, like that's that's a weird thing to say. If you're, let's say, if it's your account, if this is your name and and exclusively your name, and Tullius Adlin is only Thomas Accord. And would you write about yourself saying, I had a conversation with Thomas Accord, and here's what he said. If you were trying to be anonymous, why would you ever mention yourself, first of all? Secondly, if you weren't trying to be anonymous, why would you say you had a conversation with yourself? That makes no sense. Absolutely no sense. And so Rubita Rabbit is rightly pointing out, yeah, there's some things that don't fit this paradigm. Sounds more like it's someone who might know Thomas real well, and might be, you know, using his the same kind of pseudonym he uses for another account for some reason, but someone who's familiar with Thomas somehow. There's more counter evidence, and I made it so small that you can't see it, so it's not going to help for you at all. I'll describe it, and you don't have to believe me. The reason I had to make it small, though, is because before I went on the air, um, I was told basically not to share this stuff uh, because it has sensitive um, information on it. But he- here's um, here's the long and short of it. Thomas has tried to contact uh, Twitter about this pseudonym, name, this this account, this Tuli Sadlin account. Basically, to get verification that it's not him, and file he filed uh, you know an impersonation thing and all that. And, and and it's impossible to do with pseudonyms. But basically, he's at least gotten verification that his email address is not aligned with that account. It never was. Um, there's also and, and there's actually more now that has come up since I put this out there, but there's been a number of attempts on various social media sites of Thomas of hacking for some reason right now, like t- tonight, um, like his Instagram, his Twitter, his Facebook, all, all these different social media websites he has uh, being hacked or attempts to hack them. And he's he's saying this. it's all of a sudden this is happening to me and, and you know. And is that strong counter evidence? No, it, it's not. I, I don't even know if I would put that necessarily in the same bucket as evidence, counter evidence. But it does at least raise your eyebrow if this is, if, if there is someone or someones who are impersonating Thomas or trying to make him look bad or something like that. Uh, and it, it would make sense that people like that would want to hack accounts. I don't know. I don't know how to make sense of this information. I just figured I would give it to you and say, it sounds like someone's after Thomas. Not just from the Twitter stuff, but from trying to get private information from him. All right. Let us read from Thomas's side. Let's read from Thomas's perspective now, without further ado, uh, so you can see what he has to say uh, about all of this. Here's Thomas Accord, and it's my story, it says. Interacting with social media is not without its consequences. Sometimes the most scrutinous measures and good-natured assumptions are not enough to avoid controversy and slandered. This is a cautionary tale. Now, let me stop you right there. Does this sound anything like the kind of tweets that you just saw on your screen from Tullius Adland? Nope, not even close. This kind of, and this is where you get into textual analysis and stuff. This, this is, in my mind, the strongest argument, that this isn't Thomas. Even the more sophisticated things from that Twitter account Don't sound like Thomas. This is how Thomas writes. My name is Thomas Accord. I am a husband of a wonderful woman and father to four daughters with a son on the way. Since 2014, I have been involved in the Christian homeschool and classical school world. My education and network have led me into the area of political philosophy, where I began to meet friends and promote ideals and books among the right-wing community. Things began picking up for me, and in 2019, I bought some land and built a house for my growing family. Around the same time, I started a podcast called Ars Politica with a good friend, Stephen Wolfe. In 2020, I became the headmaster of my now-former school. In 2021, I and another friend, Daryl Dow, published an anthology reference work on natural relations, family, house, friends, career, colleagues, books. Things seemed to be going well for me. I had made a nice life for myself and my family. It was around this time when I became a public figure, (laughs) my headmaster role, vis-a-vis my headmaster role, and having published the anthology that I began to receive... Public criticism, typically, of right-word attacks from left-wing activists. Freeze, isolate, misread, smear, label, and so on. Typical Saul Alinsky stuff. None of this bothered me much, and I paid no, it, it, it no attention. Seeming, as it did at the time, to be minor reactions that generally happen from time to time online. I want you to notice something else about Thomas's grammatical style here. Whereas most people in plain language would say, it didn't bother me, I didn't pay attention. Right. Thomas says none of this bothered me much and I paid it no attention. It, it's subtleties like that, that if you read someone you pick up on and if you can't mimic those exactly, then I think it it it, it, it you're going to have a hard time impersonating someone. You know, if you if you try to copy someone's accent and you can't do a British accent and they're British, it's, it's the same kind of thing. Whoever's trying to copy Thomas, if, if that's what's happening, they're doing they're doing a terrible job of it. Um, and if it's Thomas, then he's doing a terrible job mimicking himself. That's what I'll say. A friend tried to warn me early in 2021 that there were pernicious people out there who track and bait falsely and lie and who generally try to destroy the lives of people they don't like. I didn't take this seriously, not imagining that such motives animate real humans to real actions against others. Would that I had, would that I had listened back then. Listen to this. Listen to his language, his his grammar, his cadence. And had investigated things in those days, those early days. Instead, I went about my life as though all were well and everyone interacting with me were sincere, honest people. All of this changed in November 2022 when these attacks intensified. A friend of mine, Stephen Wolf, published a book entitled The Case for Christian Nationalism, which immediately received critical uh, retort. Most of these attacks were over social media and targeted the man, not the argument. Unable to sufficiently tarnish Wolf's reputation, these slanderous attempts began spilling over to those associated with Stephen. Even Douglas Wilson became involved in warding off damaging claims against himself and Moscow, uh, Moscow more generally. With a serious series of posts and videos decrying racism and anything adjacent to it, anyone near Wolf became suspect of evil political views and spurious witch hunts. And thus it was that sudden revelations emerged of Wicked Things I, as Wolf's friend had supposedly sent under a pseudonym on social media long ago. It is true that I have used various pseudonyms over the years since 2015, one being Julius Adland. This began on Telegram, Discord, Signal, and then branched over to public platforms such as Twitter. The name changed over the years to various other monikers, usually classical and whimsical in reference, not unlike the Founding Fathers. And by the way, I just want to say this about using pseudonyms. I've used a pseudonym myself. In the past, I don't use them anymore. Uh, A lot of people do, and and there is an honorable tradition of using pseudonyms. Founding fathers did it for the Federalist Papers. And in a time of political, we, we live in one, of great political upheaval when it's a great risk to your family and people you love to publicly attach beliefs that are true but unpopular to yourself, use a pseudonym. And this is what Thomas is saying he did. So there's nothing wrong with him doing that. I just want to say that. I don't, think there's, it's not, I don't, I don't see it as engaging in a lie. I don't, it, it, is, um, it, it is just a way of distributing information in, in order to try to do, do it in such a way that you're protecting yourself and your identity. And, and it's honestly, if you want to say it's a war tactic, you could say that too. I think we're in an ideological war. However, on Wednesday, November 23rd, people began posting Twitter screenshots from a certain Tullius Adlin that were claiming that came from myself. Busy with the bustle of the day, I initially assumed the material being shared was something I had long ago, uh, I said long ago. But when I got home, I went back into my Twitter account to search for these tweets, but I could find them nowhere. I then looked more closely at the account itself being posted and realized it was not one that I recognized. In other words, he's saying he went through his Tullius Adlin account, and it didn't match up with his other one. Puzzled, I tried to log into, but none of my emails, phone numbers, or passwords gained me access. So he's saying... There's no way I, this could be in my account because none of my information is able to get me in. I immediately appealed to Twitter for help for learning about this account. Who made it without, uh, who controls it? All of which details they denied me multiple times since no account of my personal information I gave them linked to the account. In Twitter's view, the account is not mine and I can do nothing with it. The severity of the situation began to dawn upon me that many people on Twitter were posting uh, this account as though I had made such statements while I myself had no reconciliation, uh, re- recollection rather, of or access to the account. Thus, a new possibility came to mind that someone else created this account and has been using it to make phony posts. I asked some friends about this who reminded me that fake accounts tracking impersonations and defamations are ubiquitous on social media, especially Twitter. So I filed an impersonation complaint with Twitter support, which responded this time by linking to an associated made up Facebook page under the same pseudonym, as well as a few phony email accounts, all again using this name. I begin to wonder what else will emerge. I had no knowledge or access to any of this material, but here it is existed, a web of accounts under the name of a pseudonym I once used and which were posting things seemingly on my behalf going back a few years. Furthermore, I have learned now that one of the email accounts, as of yesterday, still had an ongoing conversation with one of my mutual friends who thought he was conversing with me this entire time. This is the point I made, guys. I told you. How many times have you friended someone and you thought it was that person and it wasn't and you talked to them and it's not until they want you to wire money to Nigeria that you realize, wait a minute. Shockingly, it became clear that these fake accounts were created and used over but a short span to parody and slander myself. I immediately petitioned a claim of imposter and defamation claims with these two social media companies, which are currently under investigation. Meanwhile, the Twitter mob continued to bandy about tweets from these false social media impersonations as though I had control of them and were saying such things online. The content contained from what I saw in this account contradicted my own extensive statements and podcasts over the years, my own ethnicity, and my political, moral, and Christian convictions. Some friends have helpfully pointed out to me that the very style of language in the tweets is not what they have known of me to speak over the years. Nevertheless, the outrage has gone so far that my place of employment heard of it and called to discuss the matter." I had a cordial and mutual conversation with the board, and we agreed that it would be best for me to resign this past Wednesday evening. I love my now former school and everyone there. And see, this to me, this to me is evidence that that tweet of, you know, it's posted at the church, a picture of the church in a small group, and he's mocking those people. This is evidence to me, in my mind, that <clears throat> that doesn't add up. If, if Thomas really want, he could have go he could have scorched earth against his school. You know, he could say, look, this this wasn't even me, and my school now wants me gone. They don't want this drama, and, you know, they're, they're a bunch of weaklings. He could say all kinds of things about the school. They're compromisers, whatever. He doesn't say anything. He loves the school. He doesn't want the school hurt in this. He doesn't want people who want to defend him to hurt the school. That is interesting to me because it doesn't add up with the, the, the Tullius Adland, you know, guy, character. <clears throat> I want the best for them which truly is to be free of the storm of slander and accusation. I think it is the duty of a leader to shield his people from possible harm or trouble, even if it may stem from himself. However, I do want to clear my name and that of anyone associated with me. I also want to support my growing and innocent family. In some Twitter, Facebook, and some email accounts have been falsely associated with myself without justification, and Facebook and Twitter have validated that the accounts in question are not mine. I wish no animosity towards those who share this info. I seek no legal recourse to anyone. Some may say it is not a good tactic, but I cannot evade the verses that say a disciple of Christ must forgive and show mercy as we have been forgiven and shown mercy. I want peace, brotherly love among Christians. I want a good name. I want a good job. I want a good life for my family. I want God to be glorified. Let this be a cautionary lesson to us all about the dangers of social media engagement and the importance of friends and the need for Christian charity and open dialogue. Thomas Accord. And he put an addendum, and here it is. I will not be following up with anyone to defend or explain further accusations, evidences, or claims against me. The people who are doing this seem to have infinite time and resources on their (laughs) hands. No kidding. They seem honestly to enjoy digging up, making up, slandering, and harming. They are good at it. My name is already defiled, I'm already jobless, and my wife and children and unborn child's lives are all now in jeopardy. What else do they seek at this point? It is not enough. Must they beat a bloody corpse? I appeal to you, if not as Christians, then at least as fellow humans. You have accomplished your objectives. Please now leave me be. Wow. And this is, you know, it sounds like someone almost in despair when you're reading this. And it's it's touching. Um, here, I just want to say a few things <clears throat> about this. Make sure that I, I show you, before I, I do my own spiel on this, I at least should show you the ways to support the family here. Um, uh, Stephen Wolf said, My friend Thomas Accord has lost his job after bad and resentful people used his name in an attempt to discredit me and my books, so I'm announcing that 100% of the royalties I receive from now until Christmas will go to him and the family. So you can buy case for Christian nationalism. You can go to the Give, Send, Go. Uh, type in Give, Send, Go Thomas Accord on any search engine. It'll come up. So far, they've been able to raise over $10,000 for him. Uh, GiveSendGo.com forward slash uh, G9H. F one, G nine, H F one, and this is a way to help his family through this hard time and the holidays. So here's here's my spiel on this whole uh, incident, if uh, if you will. I'm gonna go back to what I started and open the show with. Uh, for those who have seen the the show, it's a wonderful life. In that particular movie, it's not a show; it's a movie um George Bailey has um dreams of traveling the world and and he, they get they get derailed. He ends up having to it's fictional obviously, but he ends up at his hometown and he takes over the his father's business. He gives out loans to people who are in need. He helps people in need. He's known by the community because of that. Now, the elites don't like him. Potter doesn't like him. The big moneyed interests don't like him. Uh, because he makes decisions that really aren't even that beneficial for himself. He sacrifices for others. He's not about the bottom line. In fact, there's a scene in it, right, where he gives out all his life insurance, uh, not life insurance, his, uh, his his wedding money to people when there's a run on the bank, just be, out of the goodness of his heart because he loves his people. Now, in the movie, if you'll recall, the, the villain, Potter, ends up uh, accidentally, the account manager... Uh, who's a family member, probably not as capable, but, you know, out of pity, George Bailey leaves him as, as uh, in his post at the building and loan company that he runs. And he accidentally gives Potter uh, a newspaper, but he gives in the newspaper an envelope of their yearly profits. And Potter does, realizes he has this, and that they're not going to be able to uh, balance their books, and they're going to be—George ar- Bailey's going to be arrested— And he lets it happen and tries to use it to his advantage. Now, I want you to ask a question. What was Potter's motive in that, in in that particular movie? Well, the motive of Potter was, ultimately, he was jealous of George Bailey. George Bailey was cutting in on his business. George Bailey was more loved than Potter. People hated Potter. And Potter knew that George had things that he didn't have. And he wanted, it, it pleasured him to put George Bailey in a position of subservience, to see George Bailey wringing his hands, wondering what to do, on the verge of suicide in that particular film. It's it's such a good film. You need to watch it if you haven't. And at the end of the movie, at the eleventh hour, George Bailey, you know, through he realizes that his life is actually worth living. That it's that's why it's called it's a wonderful life. And the the thing that makes this is where people normally cry in the movie uh, if they watch it for the first time is all his friends, all the people he's helped over the years, come back to help him, and he didn't ask him to do it. And that was, in the movie, that is the strongest evidence that it wasn't him, that he didn't actually do anything wrong, that he was set up, that something else, there must be another explanation because this isn't the George. How can all these people love George Bailey? How can he be the sacrificial man if he's embezzling money? The two don't add up, and the evidence is right before your eyes when you have hundreds of people giving money. Five bucks, ten bucks, whatever, to help this man. And I would like to suggest to you, I'm drawing a parallel here, that Thomas Accords in a similar spot. He has been accused of something. He's lost his job, essentially, over it. It sounds like it was a mutual decision, but it was, I mean, he just wants people to leave him alone, his family alone. And these accusations are pretty bad, but I want you to look at the people that are giving, that are coming at the eleventh hour to support the Accord family when they don't have money. And you look at the donations. The last, I'll, let me read you the last uh, few donations: twenty-five dollars, twenty-five dollars, fifty dollars, seventy-five dollars, fifty dollars, a hundred dollars. Uh, the largest one, I think, two thousand, a hundred, a 25 50, this twenty bucks, thirty-five bucks. This is. What's going on? And it's going on all day and it's been going on for two days. How many people have given, you might ask? Right now, I'll refresh it again. 87 people have given. 87 people. How many people have shared this? 17. How many people are praying? 34 are registered here, but there's a lot more than that. I'm going to be curious to see if anyone on the board, and if any of them are listening, I would encourage them. You need to put out a character reference for Thomas. If you don't think that, that Thomas, if Thomas wasn't the one who made these anonymous posts and it doesn't align with him, you need to come out and, you know, I know, you want to protect your family. I get it. You don't want drama. You need to think about his family, though, too. You need to trust the Lord and do the right thing. And that's what everyone needs to be doing right now. Um, you know, how bad could it be? You know, could it be, you know, the FBI or, could you know, the deep state uh, <laughs> decided to impersonate Thomas? And, you know, I don't know. I, I will tell you this, though. I There's a part of me, I didn't have to spend a whole podcast on this, for a guy I don't I don't even know him that well. I, I know him well enough to know that this this pseudonym stuff it sounds really spurious. But I've been in similar spots. I remember in twenty twenty when people went after me for things I had published. Where is it? I have it somewhere in here. People went after me hard for things I had published in this. Uh uh, Sacred Conviction, The South Stand for Biblical Authority by Joseph J. And it doesn't matter how much you point out. I could go to the introduction and I could read the, the section where, you know, I literally say before you you read the book that, uh, if I could find the exact page, but none of, none of this can be used to justify the institution of slavery. I say, you know, not for slavery, all of that. This book is not about justifying slavery. This book is about uh, a... Um, A disagreement between the northern and southern denominations, which preceded the Civil War and led up to the Civil War. And it was more than just slavery. But the issue, even as it pertained to slavery, wasn't about uh, the morality of slavery as much as it was the biblical teaching of it. And I explain it all to you. But people didn't really read it. They mined it. They took things that weren't even quotes of mine, people I quoted, attributed them to me. And I, I remember what that did. I remember. I'll just tell the story. I've told it here before many times. But what that did was people in elite circles, institution pe- institutional people, people who are have boards they answer to, people who have to be accountable and respectable. Those people are some sometimes some of the biggest cowards you'll ever meet in your life. I'm just saying that cuz I've had enough experience with a number of them and they're so worried about their institution and their reputation and their image and you know, and, and even then you can't even then some of them get taken out. And oh man, they they didn't want to touch me with a 10 foot pole after that. I remember in the middle of it, uh, Founders Ministries, who had been, um, uh, you know, supportive, at least, at least Askell was very supportive of the videos I put out there with Dr. Russell Fuller. It was around the same time, Uh, you know, backed off, didn't want to be associated with it anymore. I mean, it was just, I I could tell you so many stories behind the scenes of people who said they were going to be supportive and then backed out. But I'll tell you what happened in that. During that time, the people who were were not on those, not in boards, not didn't have platforms. The, the little guys, they started flocking to my YouTube channel. That's one of the biggest boosters I've ever gotten in subscriptions. I remember I was talking to Jud Saul the day after that uh, people were going after me and saying that I had published this stuff under a pseudonym, and so, and I and I've explained all this before on the podcast. It was I had some professors who liked my research, and they, to, I, I was conflicted about it. They told me you better use a pseudonym or else you won't have a future in academia because it's so woke. And I I, I listened to them. I probably shouldn't have. But th- this was years ago that I did all this. And um, anyway, uh, I don't think I did anything. I don't. I, there's nothing I to apologize for that I know of. I'm open to correction. I'm always open to that. But I haven't said anything that I, I, I think that needs to be apologized for. It's just research. But the next day, I remember Judd Saul tells me, well, at least you can go be a pastor now. He even thought that I was done that this was a can and I wasn't. That's the thing, I wasn't. Because you know how many people resonated with that? How many little guys out there who get stepped on, uh, who um, are constantly afraid of, will they say the wrong thing? And they resonated with what I, because they knew that this doesn't add up. You're making this guy out to be a monster. Let me listen to him. He doesn't sound like a monster. Actually, his podcast is pretty good. And I think the same thing's gonna happen with Thomas and Stephen Wolf. The Case for Christian Nationalism book, the Ars Politica podcast, I think they're about to get a boost from this. Because you know if these these elite types and these cancel culture mob types and these cowardly types hate what they're doing so much that they got to go to the desperate length of uh, subverting all reason, all, all the things you would normally do to verify something is true. They don't even do any of that. And they go to the gutter to find something to, to sling at Thomas, to discredit Stephen Wolf's book, talk about an associational issue these are the same people that sometimes say they don't they're not fundamentalists I mean give me a break this association stuff is is rampant in the on the woke side of things uh, and and so anyway they, what what is it about Stephen wolf and what he's doing that and, and what maybe Thomas Accord is doing that makes them so fearful you know and if it's the government you know the Lord Jesus Christ is the one that's ultimately in charge not the government and I'll just say this I'm of right sound frame of mind and not, I don't have any suicidal thoughts, and I love my life. And I just talked to Thomas uh, today, uh, just because to, I told him I was going to come out and do a podcast. He didn't know what I was going to say, but I just let him know. Told him I was praying for him, and uh, I, you know, he's in the same. He, he's he's down about this, but he's also of sound mind right now, and he's not suicidal or anything like that. So, if anyone's concerned about that, I'm not saying it's government anything, but um, but but. In case <laughs> we're, we're actually, you know, I'm having a good time, and I think Thomas is going to have a good time real soon here. I think he's going to land on his feet. And I think that these guys, whatever evidence is in this 4,000 page, oh my goodness, you're going to have to consider two different paradigms when you're evaluating any evidence from here on out. The first paradigm is the one Thomas gave you, and that paradigm is that there's someone who has, uh, who is impersonating him to damage his reputation, perhaps, who has done so with a number of different social media accounts, who happens to be somewhat close to him and knows a number of things about him, but can't seem to really copy his, grammatic, his grammar and other stuff. That's one paradigm that makes sense of the information. Or there's another paradigm. Thomas Accord is this terrible person. And even though he he has a, a lot of uh, his he shares publicly his political views he had to make another account to share what he really thinks and then he used trucker language and f bombs and, and he really said horrible things about minorities and he did that because you know he had to get it out somewhere that's and all his friends don't don't seem to know who that thomas is but that thomas apparently is the real thomas listen to the people who don't know thomas not the people who do that's you're going to have to take that paradigm i'll ask you which one makes more sense to you Which one's more compelling to you? So that's what I have to say about this. And I think if you're a friend of Thomas Accords, you need to come out and give him a character reference now because this is the kind of stuff that if he tries to get another job on a similar level, it's going to come back to haunt him. They're going to try to use it to cancel him. So um, give a donation if you can this Christmas. If you can't, just pray for him. And uh, I'm not afraid of uh, saying these things. I know a lot of people are right now, and they're... They don't want to come out. They don't want to. They, they don't want to get you know shot at by the same people shooting at Thomas. They you know they've already shot at me. I you, you, I'm already canceled, right? And I'm still here. So if you want to cancel me again, go for it. That's what I say. Um, I know what the truth is, and I will use whatever you guys say against me. You know, if people do do that, I don't know if they will, but I'm going to use anything they say uh, to further um, uh, show as evidence how desperate these people actually really are, and it's not going to go well for them. Uh, I think Alistair Roberts, especially, and Neil Shenvey, the two biggest ones, I think, that have blown credibility in this, in my opinion. And it's just, at this point, I mean, like, what what can they do to get it back if they're wondering? Yeah, right now, post a link to Thomas's uh, Give, Send, Go page. Make a donation to it. Show the screenshot that you did so. Encourage everyone else who copied your slander, your unsubstantiated accusation, we'll say. Uh, tell them to stop and then apologize in a very heartfelt and public way to Thomas, and then privately reach out to him. That's the way I think you save face in this. Not by shielding yourself. Not No one's buying that now. All right. Um, <laughs> whoever gets canceled the most times gets a trophy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm hoping, you know, I don't think this is going to make it, but, you know, maybe I'll get a nice uh, good hit piece written against me in The Atlantic or something. I mean, that, that could always... That could always bolster the podcast, right? I mean, no one wants that, obviously. But at a certain point, when you are canceled and you survive it, you start to realize, you trust God more, and you start to realize this stuff is, uh, you know, you, you have to face down a bully. You you can't just let these immature bully bullying people, these these uh, desperate people, these jealous people, and, you know, different attributes for different ones, but uh, ignorant people in some situations, maybe, maybe a few who shared that were... Just ignorant, but they had the right motives. I don't know. But you you can't let any of those people um uh dictate your life. So anywho, uh that is the podcast today. I'm just looking through the comments and uh appreciate all of you guys. Um <laughs> people are competing now for cancellation trophies. That's hysterical. <laughs> Please send the gift send go for this. All right, so I will I'll put it in the info section. But let me just put it in the chat right now for those who are streaming, if I can. Let me see if I, we should have the technology. Let me see if we have the technology. <laughs> I should have the technology streaming, to do this. Yeah, there, okay. Here you go for everyone. The link is in the info section and uh, it will be on the video soon. Well, there are a number of other things I wanted to talk about, but uh, I guess I'm not gonna do it, so here we are. Uh, you'll have to wait till next week. Uh, I am hoping to. I should be able to get started on the Tim Keller stuff next week. I should be able to um, uh, show you some 1607 stuff. I got a really good essay, if I do say so myself. Not to be too braggadocious. <laughs> I have an essay that I'm excited to share with you. i uh, on the proposition nation and Christian nationalism. It's an angle I haven't seen anyone else take, and I think it's going to be really helpful for you guys in explaining what's what's really the threat that the elites see from Christian nationals. And that'll be next week. And oh man, so many good things happening. Have a Merry Christmas. I can say that now, right? It's the day after Thanksgiving. Have a Merry Christmas. You can play Christmas music now, in my opinion. I'm already doing it. Uh, God bless. I hope everyone has a wonderful evening. And uh, bye now.